Hi, I'm Matt Littman from 97% Gun Safety Organization. And today on TAG, we're talking about guns with Rob Pincus. Rob is the founder of ICE, Integrity Consistency Effort, right, Rob? Uh, Integrity Consistency Efficiency, yeah, ICE training company. And uh, and you are training everybody from law enforcement with, uh, you're using in-person training, videos, everything? Yeah, so in 2001, I left full-time law enforcement to get into education. I had been working in the firearms industry for a while. I've been teaching inside of law enforcement and outside of law enforcement for a while. Um, I spent a, a great many years in the 2000s really focused on armed professionals, teaching uh, some of our most elite military teams, uh, law enforcement, personal security details, executive protection professionals, things like that, and then really pivoted at the end of the 2000s. Uh, my company, Personal Defense Network, um, and, and most of my efforts towards the ever-growing civilian market of people interested in home defense or personal defense in the public space. And you yourself are former military and law enforcement, is that correct? I was I was very briefly in the military after graduating from a military college, uh, served in the, in the IRR, um, so really didn't do much there at all, and then went into law enforcement. And I've served over 20 years as a reserve officer uh, for a couple of different agencies, primarily as a training officer, and I did work uh, full-time law enforcement in Northern Virginia for a few years. Is that where you are, Rob? Are you in Northern Virginia? Where are, where are you? I'm not. Right now, I'm at uh, what I call my Western headquarters in Colorado. So I split my time between Colorado and Florida. Okay, terrific. So uh, thanks for doing this. You've obviously achieved an incredible amount. Um, I, I, the you know Training people on how to use their weapons properly is super important. And so it's incredible that you've been able to carve this out and do this for so many people because you're basically saving lives by teaching people how to be safe with their weapons. Hopefully. Yeah, and it's expanded. It's expanded way beyond just you know teaching people how to put the bullets where they want the bullets to go. You know, it really is over, especially the last decade. It's it's a much bigger project. When I have a lot of collaborators, a lot of great other instructors that are on our personal defense network training team or with IC training company that really teach people to avoid the conflict as much as win the conflict. Right, um, and thank you, and thank you for doing all that, Rob. You say that the number one responsibility of gun owners is to prevent unauthorized access to their weapons. Can you give me three crucial things that gun owners can do to prevent unauthorized access of their weapons? Uh, yeah, you need to understand, I think, first and foremost, like who shouldn't have access to guns. And, and we all think of, OK, the criminal, right, the person that wants right. to, to steal your gun to hurt other people, things like that. We might think about people who are dealing with, with mental issues uh, where they have poor judgment or rage control or, or uh, dementia, uh, obviously suicidal ideation. That would be another group that's really obvious. One of the groups, uh, kids, you know, kids that, that haven't been trained and aren't physically capable of controlling the gun is probably one that we talk a lot about that, that uh, most firearms owners respect. And, and care about a great deal, you know, preventing unauthorized access to unsupervised children. But one of the nuanced ones is really anyone who's uneducated in how to use a firearm properly or physically incapable. And one of the things we have to remind people is when you're a new gun owner, you're part of that group. Um, so it's really important to, you know, not get that new gun, put the bullets in it, stick it in a holster and, and just walk around in public, even if you're in a constitutional carry state without actually getting the training and education. So um, unauthorized access actually includes the new gun owner prior to education, in my opinion. And that's something we have to talk about a lot. Is there something to safe storage that you're involved in as well, Rob, that you think about? Yeah. So Storage and is is one of the things we do, and, and I, I was, was honored by the opportunity to have a uh, co to co author an article in the American Journal of Public Health recently. And what we talked about was terminology, and and there was an expert talking about suicide issues and terminology. There was someone else with 
um, youth uh, gang affiliated urban uh, violence and to talk about the terminology there, which I'm, I'm sure I just screwed up because <laughs> then I'm my specialty. But the uh, but the firearms terminology for caregivers, for people that are in the medical profession or in the mental health profession, talking about guns is really important and, and being um, empathetic. You don't have to be a gun owner. You don't have to be pro-gun. But if you want to serve gun owners and you want to help reduce negative outcomes um, involving firearms, you need to be uh, a, bit, a bit understanding, a bit culturally competent. So one of the things we talk about right up front is the difference between storage and staging. And both are incredibly important. But understanding that nuance is, is really vital because, you know, the vast majority of people that have firearms have them for the purpose of defense. And, and respecting that means talking about staging a gun properly, still preventing unauthorized access, but some of the old cliches like like storing your firearms separate from your ammo. Well, if I'm storing my firearms separate from my ammo, there's no way I can think of being able to use that firearm in an emergency in any kind of efficient, quick way. So so something like a, a quick access safe um, that just has a, you know, a keypad on the front that I can unlock quickly. Uh, my six-year-old daughter can't get into this. Uh, I certainly have other safes that are designed for storage long term, but that's where the loaded and ready gun gets staged. And that's incredibly important. Have you thought about um, uh, federal laws on safe storage? There's something called Ethan's Law in Connecticut. Are you, are you familiar with that? I'm familiar with, with not, not the details of that law, but as conceptually, I'm familiar with it. Um, California is probably the state that is sort of has the most notorious, I guess, from a gun rights perspective, um, restrictions on how firearms need to be stored so much so that they actually regulate what is considered an acceptable uh, storage or staging device. Uh, so the, the gun company, the, the gun safe companies and the locking device companies have to go through some extra hoops there to even get their products to market efficiently. And I think that's the problem is, is anytime you're going to regulate, uh, you're going to have two two different issues. One, you're going to have sort of the, the hoop jumping that's required to meet specific legislation. And then you're going to have the natural pushback from the gun rights community, right? That we know that gun owners uh, are, are looking around every corner and, and under every cover for the the infraction and infringement and restriction that really is it is towards an anti-gun agenda powered by an anti-gun right. agenda as opposed to a true reducing negative outcomes agenda. So I'm not a fan of, of legislation or regulation requiring storage. I think that the real key here is education and, and promoting responsibility. And, and all of our rights come with responsibilities. And the Second Amendment isn't any different. Well, that's so interesting, Rob, because you wrote an op-ed in uh, Ameland, I believe, right, about this culture war. And I think part of what you're speaking to is that, which is this lack of trust between people who are having this conversation. So how do we change this conversation? What do we, how can we be more productive on both sides? We have, you know, our organization called 97%, because that's in some studies the number that favors background checks, universal background checks, right? But Sometimes we don't have the same ones in every state, for example, right? How do we have a better conversation? Most people agree. How do we have a better conversation? Well, I think that one of the ways I try to paint this picture for people is, is you know, you're, you're walking into the mall and there's there's two people collecting money with their buckets for their charities. And, and one person is, you know, ringing a bell saying, we want to protect kids. We want to save kids. And the other person's ringing a bell saying, you know, uh, the founding fathers wanted us to have uninfringed access to firearms and help me defend gun rights. And when you look at those two, like most human beings are going to say, OK, well, that's that's great for you gun guys. I want, I'm going to I have an extra buck. I'm going to put it in the bucket to protect kids. The problem is both of those things are sort of characterizations, right? They're 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 not really the genuine truth of the people on the opposite sides of this argument. 
uh, when it comes to reg uh, registration, when it comes to universal background checks, when it comes to uh, any kind of legislation against the free exercise, responsible exercise, I would hope, of our gun rights. The reality is most people own guns for defensive purposes, right? So, so as a father, one of the reasons that I have this gun stage in this box is to save children, to protect my daughter if, if that opportunity arises, recognizing it's incredibly unlikely and recognizing that the answer isn't loaded guns in every room that, you know, hopefully she doesn't touch, but to have a gun that's in a secure vault that has a quick access code that she can't get into, but that I can get into relatively efficiently to defend myself and her if I need to. So, so it, pounding on the table, screaming, shall not be infringed, you know, quoting the founding fathers that to me, that's not a discussion. Right. But on the other side saying you don't care about kids isn't a discussion either. Right. right. And, and I think so. So respecting the, the true intentions, uh, which really come down to protecting life and, and being responsible and doing the right thing, not only for ourselves, but for the other people in our environment, in our home or our community, our workplace, the stores where we're shopping. I think respecting the, the sincerity of intention is really important to having a good dialogue. Well, I agree, Rob. Let me ask you this. Do you think that people do you think that most people respect the opposing point of view? Or do you think that the louder voices have more of a public forum so that it seems like most people don't respect the other's point of view? Well, it sounds like you could ask that question about literally any political topic. In <laughs> this is the culture right war now. that you're so, talking yeah, about. So, so that's the problem, right? right. It's, it's, it would, it's, it's completely ridiculous to suggest that that, that latter case isn't reality. I mean, it's, it's reality on abortion. It's reality on right. church. It's reality on immigration. It's reality on voting results. I mean, it's just the, the, the noise factor is, is ridiculous. Now, here's what I find. At the dinner party or at the kid's soccer practice or at the coffee shop, People respect reasoned and rational decisions and and explanations, but we don't hear that, unfortunately, very often. And I, and I think your your conversations that I've seen here that you guys are having through ninety seven percent, while some people, in full disclosure, like I'll get I'll get a towel. How could you go on there? They're pro background check. Okay, but we're having a discussion, right? And, and I'm sure we'll get to the issue of background checks here somewhere in this discussion. But there are people in the gun community who right now are already looking at 97 percent or look at something like the Convergence Center project that I was involved in. And they look at it very, very skeptically, because how can you sit down with them? Well, well, them are other Americans, other other humans that I think have good intentions. We just disagree on how to get there. I, I agree with you a thousand percent. I think also the, the what I would like to see more is. Reasonable people could disagree on an issue. It doesn't mean they're bad people. People have different right. backgrounds. They come from different places. They have a different point of view. It's okay to have a different point of view. It's okay to have a conversation about the issue. Maybe my thoughts on some things are not right. Maybe, you know, your, well, yours are all right, but maybe mine aren't all right. But, you know, we, we should be able to talk about these things in a way that's For civilized sure. is really what I would say. And, well, and it's interesting because we just did this big project with Beacon Research in Boston. We found that, uh, most people in this gun owners, 86 percent support background checks in our survey, but only 64 percent believe that gun owners support background checks. It's a big difference. And I yeah. think it goes to that thing about how the media portrays it. What do you think, Rob? I think it's it's hard, you know, without and I've seen those two numbers. Uh, I've seen your your kind of top level report. Yeah. I have not dug into the details of, you know, how the question was asked. Those things are always so important. Yeah. Right. And, and I, I, I look at it this way. I look around the gun community and, and I see 
YouTubers and I see, you know, people at, at protests and this and that, and I see them wearing the will not comply shirt and I see them with the will not comply or shall not comply signs. But I also know they have concealed carry permits. They have registered short barrel rifles. They have they go through background checks to get their those concealed carry permits. They fill out the 4473 forms. They go through background checks. A lot of them have FFLs, the leaders in our in our community. And I, I feel like that's where I need to, like, address what what they what the other side is saying isn't even really of interest to me until I can figure out why right. someone who has a concealed carry permit fills out the background check form and goes through all these hoops and complies with a lot of the existing laws, if not all of them in, in their state and federally will then turn around and, and get the clicks and the likes and maybe the donations for their organization by screaming shall not comply at the top of their lungs. And I think that disingenuousness hurts the conversation. So, so when you tell me your, your research says 86% of the people that you talk to are gun owners and they, they're okay with background checks. So they support background checks. I'll tell you that, 99.9% of the gun owners I know comply with background checks. Yes. But also, I think the vast majority of them would, would do away with them if, if given a yes, simple yes. yes, no vote. Should we have them? Shouldn't we have them? So I think there's some nuance in the way we talk about background checks and the way we talk about accepting them versus supporting them. I, I think that's absolutely right. We're actually, we're starting to do research with Tufts now on what those nuances are to really figure out, to dig deeper into that and find out the nuances are. Rob, I told you at the beginning that we do this hot take kind of thing where we ask you, I'm just going to ask you two questions in this hot take category. You said, which is try to short answers if we can. It's okay if we go longer. You said firearm safety training should be taught in public schools. What age do you think that we should be teaching firearm safety training? I think we should be teaching in elementary school. I, I don't know what you think that means, though, because I'll tell you that I think that what that actually entails um, needs to be age appropriate. So certainly there's an age for don't touch it, let an adult know. And then there's an age for if you're thinking about owning a gun or you go hunting with your family or you're going to get your hunting license at the age of 12, 13, 14. Here's some things you need to be aware of when you're out there in the woods with a gun. So I'm not suggesting we teach defensive yeah. shooting and gun handling to a, to a five-year-old in kindergarten. But I do think the way we talk about fire, the way we talk about uh, drugs, both prescription and non-prescription drugs, the way we talk about pollution, I mean, we teach our kids about things that are dangerous to them that they might come into contact with right. in our public schools. Right. And, and we know that so many people in education are, are, you know, think guns are dangerous and guns shouldn't be around kids, but they're afraid to educate the kids around it. And that's where I think it gets political. Right. Good point. Rob, uh, one more question for you. You talk about the common goal of keeping guns from the people we all agree shouldn't have them. I can't believe I'm going to ask you to answer this in 30 seconds, but how do we agree on what that is? Well, that's now that's a line that my friend Dan Gross, uh, the former leader of the Brady campaign, uses all the time. And I, that has appeared in some stuff that we've done together. It's his line, not mine. I do agree that there are people that we can all look at and say that person shouldn't have a gun. But in many cases, that's a temporary state. So in other words, when I'm, when I drink, my guns get locked up, right? right. If I'm having, if, if I can't drive, if I shouldn't drive, I shouldn't have a gun. So I think we can all agree that if you're drunk, you shouldn't have a gun. And that, that fits into that category for me. All right. You did that in 30 seconds. I think Rob, that was very impressive. Um, uh, one last question for you. And thank you again. What you've accomplished is really incredible. So thank you for all the work you're doing. Um, we ask people who are on to tag somebody else who should come on. Who would you like us to talk to after you, Rob? 
I think that uh, Professor David Yamane at Wake Forest University, who runs the sociology of guns uh, classes at that university, he's had me as a guest lecturer, and I would love to see him contribute to the conversations you guys are having here. I have to tell you, Rob, you're not the first person to bring up that professor, so I am definitely going to do that. We will do that. Thank you so much for your time today, Rob. Uh, yes, sir. Much thank appreciated. You. You're doing great work, so thank you. Thank you.